The following program is intended for mature audiences. The time is now for the hardest hit, yet completely trivial football show on the planet. You are in rarefied territory. Ladies and gentlemen, well, well to the broken helmet. Let's rock. Coming to you live on tape on this Friday, August 20th. 2021. Rich Eggie here bringing to you another episode of The Broken Helmet, a vacation version of the program as I am on a quick three-day vacay down the Jersey Shore with the family. Kids and wife packed up, went down to visit my in-laws and set up shop here in lovely Lavalette. Although I shouldn't say lovely because there's nothing like taking a vacation with a tropical storm. Can't get that out of my mouth. A tropical storm uh, bringing delicious weather for our entire stay. Uh, You know, it's always lovely to get no sun and rain for three days down at the beach. But you cannot fight Mother Nature, so here we are. And we have some medication to help alleviate the pain as we do have a second week of preseason football coming at us. Actually, the medication started last night with the Thursday night Pats-Eagles game. Game was brought to us via Philadelphia, called by some random Joe play-by-play guy and Ross Tucker of NFL Podcast fame. Ross has been a staple of NFL Podcasts for quite a while now, I guess. I've been listening to him, and he seems to pop up on a ton of NFL-related podcasts now, and I think he's got three or four of his own. He's he's got his own fantasy feast, I think is something that he calls. But anyway, uh, he got himself a shout-out this morning on, well... Good morning, football. So he got a shot out on the morning on Good Morning Football on NFL Network. Kyle Brandt had made some call early in the week, I guess, that their show, Good Morning Football, would get a shout out on the game broadcast. Ross Tucker obliged, I think, twice they were pointing out on the uh, show this morning, only to then have Kyle Brandt turn around and say he didn't know Ross Tucker. Uh, thanks for the shout-out, but I don't know who you are. Now, I don't have any kind of clue if Kyle Brandt does or does not know Ross Tucker, but it's pretty funny either way, either as an exchange of friendly barbs or an actual, like, who the F is this guy moment. You know. Anyway, as for that game itself, game one of preseason two, it was the Pats versus the Eagles, and to be honest, this whole game got screwed up right out of the gate because... Jalen Hurt was supposed to be playing and then went out with an injury. It turns out something abdominal pain. He did not feel good. He went to the hospital. Fine now. But that killed the entire game as Jalen Hurt went out. And that left all the Eagle fans stuck with the great Joe Flacco. And Flacco being in there literally killed the entire Eagles watch. I mean, there is nothing you could really gleam from and an Eagles game with Joe Flacco under center. You know, you got a nice little Sanders run at one point. Devontae Smith, he got in there, obviously the rookie. He came back, finally got some action, got a couple of catches, but, I mean, really that was about it. You know, Flacco's done, so you can't put any stock in any of the offensive tape. But the issue really now is that there's only one preseason game left. So with one preseason game left, there's not much time for Hurts to get up to speed here. You know, overall, the Eagles 
kind of looked weak. And if Hertz isn't in there to get up to speed, I don't know how they're going to start the season. It seems like they're probably going to start back on their heels. Uh, they just looked weak all around. And, you know, if you compare them to the Patriots, it was kind of like a JV versus varsity machine as the Patriots just keep doing what they've done under Belichick for ages. Now, obviously, they had the the setback last year with Brady finally leaving and then Can coming in late, getting COVID, then being out, etc. But, um, you know, still, you see this year as they come through and Cam got in there for the first time last night and then Jones got in there, but their machine looks well-oiled and humming along. But the... Eagles on the other point, on the other side, you know, very JV-ish, you know, which is not good for new rookie coach Nick Sirianni because he's got to get his team up and running here. <laughs> You're running out of time. Uh, rookie coach, uh, kind of a rookie quarterback. I mean, got some experience last year, but not a lot. Rookie wide receiver. I mean, a lot of rookies, a lot of rookies, a lot of young blood on the Eagles sideline. And having two games come and go without being able to get any of them really involved there, you know, it's going to be a little concerning. Good for, you know, NFC East fans because obviously the Washington football team and the Cowboys and Giant fans can all breathe a sigh of relief that the Eagles, who have been a thorn in many a side the past couple of years, might very well start out being just duty uh, when it comes to 2021 football. But. As for the Patriots, it's what the game was all about. Was just watching the Pats and seeing what they are going to bring to the table. I mean, obviously, you're not going to see too much. It's preseason football, but this is all you got to evaluate it outside of being at camp every day, I guess, and, and seeing camp play, which is pretty limited in itself, too. So these uh, preseason exhibition matchups is where you're going to try to look and discover any kind of little tidbits on how your team's doing. And for the Patriots, I, you got a lot of stuff to look at last night, that's for sure. I Personally, for me, I don't care what anybody else says. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying the same thing, but Cam Newton's arm is shot. It just looks like crap, period. He's got a weird-ass motion. It looks like he's throwing a football, like a, not a football, a, a baseball. You know, he, he, it, it's kind of short arm to his head, and it just it looks like it's got no lift to it. Now, some of his short passes last night looked okay. It looked like he got it over the middle, a short distance with a little bit of velocity, but really just didn't. I mean, they didn't call it for him to test it downfield at all unless he checked down all game, which it kind of felt like he did. And somebody on, I saw it, um, I did not see if it was a uh, press conference quote, but I think there was somebody on the Eagles sideline, one of the players in secondary that called, was calling him basically Captain Checkdown. And Cam Newton said something to the effect of, oh, that's just all glitter. And, you know, he's a cheerleader. So, you know, cheerleaders wear a lot of glitter. Something to that effect. But I tend to agree that last night, I mean, he really did not push the ball downfield, whether that, that was by design or not. And they just never called the ball to go downfield. Uh, his arm just does not look good. And without being able to see if he can stretch the field, I mean, maybe this is it. Maybe it's just Cam Newton, shitty arm, short 10 to 15 yards is is all you get. Who knows? But it did not look good last night from where I was sitting. Um, and I doesn't 
feel from what I've read that anybody else was overly impressed either. But there was uh, things for Patriot fans to be excited about because when Mac Jones got in there, he got in there for a couple of series. I shouldn't say a couple of series. He got in there after a couple of series and got in there for way more than a couple of series because he played all the way in. Did he play into the fourth? I think they flipped into the third, but he played basically all of two and I think all of three. Um, I wasn't looking at the clock. I was watching the. I watched it live and then I watched the game condensed to uh, see the things that I had missed. But he played a good solid two quarters. And obviously, at least in the second quarter, he was playing against some of the better defensive talent. Now, he got in there, much like Cam, the offense was conservative in nature with him as well. However, he did get the ball downfield at least once. And it was a bomb that Nikhil Harry should have caught. And he didn't. And shocker, he got hurt on the play, too. He's, his arm was in his sling after the game. But that was one throw that he was able to make that Cam did not even attempt. Now, again, whether that was by nature of design, I, I'm not quite sure. But when Mac Jones was in there, he just he looks good. He looks very, dare I say, Tom Brady-esque as he plays the part of you know running the offense, going through your progressions and then throwing the ball to open receiver. There was a lot of under, you know, under the defense type throws over the middle, backs out of the backfield, the short routes, but whatever. It looks like he's reading the defensive defenses well, made good decisions, got the ball away. I mean, it, it was impressive to see at least if you are hoping to see solid performance out of Mac Jones that's what you're getting at least you know again from a new uh, a noob like myself um, who has no professional coaching experience whatsoever and I just sit and watch football for uh, you know 30 years or so so uh, but he looked good uh, cam cam Newton not so much. But uh, his stats would prove me wrong. Is the, the stats obviously looked great. Uh, I just didn't think that his arm looked good. Now, elsewhere around that Patriot offense, uh, Damian Harris looks to definitely be a lead back. Didn't do all that much. He looked really good when they got to the goal line. Very powerful. Ran in there for the touchdown. Outside of that, he got a bunch of touches. I, you know, He didn't really have a whole lot to work with. The line didn't really rip open too many holes for him, so he didn't really amass a whole lot of yardage on the ground. But regardless, it did look like he was going to be the lead back for the Patriots going into the year. Although coming out of the backfield, they also seemed to feature, continue to feature that Ramadre Stevenson quite a bit. And again, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing the first name correctly, but um, he got the ball quite a bit more than I would say Sony Michelle. And that brings question about Sony Michelle's future in this offense, if there is any future at all. He, so I, I don't, I just don't, going from the lead back to then, and I mean, he got banged up too and, and didn't do anything too substantial, but he always had okay stats. Gets injured a little bit, and then finally they pass the baton over to Harris, more or less last year. And Michelle now is looking like he's competing with Stevenson for touches. Or else, maybe he, thinking about it, maybe he's actually competing more with James White because it did look like they were giving him, Michelle that is, the 
third down back out of the backfield type look. Although he did get some carries too. Um, but I wonder if the question now is whether Stevenson takes over for Michelle and White stays or Stevenson takes over Michelle and Michelle takes over for White and White is gone. So um, I obviously the the people that would pay most attention to that kind of scenario would be fantasy football uh, fans that are trying to figure out who the hell am I drafting out of the backfield? Uh, the answer is Harris or nobody. <laughs> That's it. I, people love to go to James White because he had all of those catches when Brady was there. I don't know about uh, anymore. Uh, I'd probably stay away. I'd probably touch Harris, and, and that's about it. But uh, flip over to the defensive side of the ball. I, in, the Eagles, I didn't really see a whole hell of a lot. From the Patriots, I, the two guys I, I continue to see that continue to catch my eye, uh, Matt Judon and uh, Juwan Bentley. Now, Judon only played a little bit, and obviously he stuck out because he had the uh, strip sack on the on the botched snap uh, from Flacco in the center. I don't even know who the center was, but it was I think it was shotgun and bad snap went all over the place, and then Judon blasted him, and the ball went out. That's how they got their first possession, and then that touchdown run out of um, Damian Harris. But Judon just looks good. He looks fast. He looks quick. He looks all over the place. And the Bentley guy, now this is his fourth year. He's out of Purdue. It looks like he's going to start inside along with Dante Hightower. And now there was a couple of plays that Bentley looked like he was slow and had to catch the running back from behind. But, man, this Bentley linebacker is all over the place. And not being a Patriot fan, I didn't, I have not watched a ton of Patriot football. Obviously, I, I watched a little bit, but it didn't really ring a bell. And I, out of two games so far in the preseason, I that's where my eyes have gone. Every game is this Bentley guy. So something to keep an eye out for if you are a Patriot fan, but you're a Patriot fan and you already know about him, and you said, Rich, you're not a fucking Patriot fan. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Ah, sorry. Well, now I do. I'm looking at him here. So, uh, IDP fantasy football wise, I'm I'm not sure. He was he was pulling a bunch of tackles last last night. So I don't know if I would draft him in a fantasy IDP league. I would definitely have him on my watch list though, because if I, one thing about linebackers, especially in IDP, is that they can come out of nowhere, and once they hit, and the the teams like them, those. Inside backers, those tackle monsters, they just they get featured and they end up taking the reins. And before you know it, you're like, "Whoa, you know who the hell got that guy?" Uh, and there's just a lot of IDP linebackers that aren't even drafted that just take off. And I'm, you know, I keep looking at Bentley and wondering if he's going to be one of those guys this year. So, uh, but that was it about the game. Not a whole lot. Uh, Patriots blew him away, right? I think it was a shutout on thirty something, thirty five nothing or something like that. I, I don't even know. It was not a good match, and so I. Uh, that's why I watched a little bit and then punched out and then watched the rest of it on the condensed game on, on Game Pass because that was the best way to go. Only a 30-minute investment of my time, and take it. Take it and run. Get the hell out. Got other things to do. So we will go from that preseason game over to news around the league and start off with what everybody's talking about on this Friday, and that being the news of the Jeopardy host gig being open again. And this is obviously only news relevant to the NFL because Aaron Rodgers had a little guest stint on 
Jeopardy to be the host and did not pan out, but he has come out and said that he would be very interested in the position if it was offered and they could make it work around his schedule, where that might be a possibility now because, like I mentioned, the host gig is open. And the reason it is open is because The Ringer, which was Bill Simmons' podcast network and website, uh, after he left ESPN, started that up, they went through a huge deep dive onto the newly elected uh, host of Jeopardy, guy by the name of Mike Richards. Now, Mike Richards turns out that he is a game show contestant lifer, and I at one point, it seems like he definitely wanted to be the host himself. Well, he got himself up there, and then even though they had this big, huge, long tryout, it looks like Richards was appointed the host, which was conspiratorial because he is the executive producer, and then he's named the host on top of it. After they ran all these other celebrities that came through, Rogers, LeVar Burton, uh, there was a whole other ones. I, I didn't watch the whole thing, but... Um, Ringer turns around, and obviously people are giving them information that this Richard guy is a little shady. So they come through seven years of old podcast material. And it sounded like Richards wanted to be a personality of some sorts way back in the day and made a podcast of himself to that featured himself and being this shock jock type of guy. And so, you know, in 2014, which is when these podcasts were made, the landscape was way, landscape was way different, right? I mean, hell, the only difference between Howard Stern, Opie Anthony, and these podcasts that Mike Richards did is that Richards was a nobody. So he gets hung up by his past where, you know, Stern and, well, I'm hoping Anthony are out of it now too, but, you know, Stern made a bazillion dollars for companies. So his past tapes, which were <laughs> way worse than what Mr. Richards here did, you know, his past tapes are fine so long as he just turns around now and says he's disgusted by them. But, um, again, Rot Richards is basically a nobody outside of this executive, so he turns around and steps down, which means that should Mr. Rogers want this gig – and this gig would obviously be a pretty lucrative deal because Mr. Trebek made a lot of money through uh, through Jeopardy, the game show. And Rogers would easily be able to step into that role and then continue to market himself to completely different uh, demographics that, that he never hit previously because he would be on every night. Uh, 7 o'clock doing this trivia show. So if it's there and if that factors into how long or not long he continues to play in the NFL, we will see now if that is a factor or not. Because like I said, Mike Richards out as Jeopardy host. No NFL person cares about that whole story at all, but I thought it was entertaining. Um, Anyway, so uh, front office sports, they reported last week and we, it's funny because uh, if you listened to the podcast and heard my brother and I, I think it was two Thursdays ago, uh, we had talked and we had spoke up at the end of the podcast about the Raiders because all of a sudden there was five or six Raider executives that just left. And I said, look, there's something else going on here, right? Because the controller left. And it's like, why is the controller leaving the Raiders. I, like, it just didn't make sense, the people that were leaving and the volume of people that were leaving. So fast forward to, I guess, last night, or at least in the past uh, 48 hours, front office sports reported that the Raiders have launched an internal investigation into what's been going on. 
And this week, front office sports reports that departures of those in, those uh, staffers that we spoke about last year uh, arose from a quote-unquote significant financial irregularities that allegedly stretched back more than a decade, end quote. So uh, this was followed up by con- more reporting, this time out of Forbes, Mike Ozanian, Ozanian, Mikey O, Mikey O of Forbes, right? So, uh, you know, get yourself a, a name that you can pronounce better. I, I know it's difficult. My last name is spelled E-G-E, pronounced Eggy, and I haven't heard anybody pronounce it right my entire life. So I get you. And here I am doing the same shit to you. So Mikey O of Forbes, he reports that the Raiders are, quote unquote, facing very big tax implications from money not reported as income, end quote. So, and this get dates back to their time in Oakland, and I, if I remember right, it's something to do with a loan that was forgiven, and Jason Cole, Jason Cole from down in Miami, when my time down at 790, Jason Cole was there at the Miami Herald, he moved on to Yahoo, and I don't know where he is now, but anyway, he gets his name thrown into this story too, as he contends that the issue arose from approximately $200 million in income slash loan accrual from a 1995 loan that Oakland Almeida County made to the Raiders that was never repaid because it was supposedly non-recoverable. And so I guess as the thought process goes and as the legal process goes that the forgiven loan ends up becoming income. And if you know anything about income in the United States, if you make any kind of it, Regardless of how you did it, you got to pay taxes on it, period, unless it's under the table and you just – you and whoever, don't talk about it, right? So, But if it's something that's done through some you know, audible means such as a loan from Almeida County and they don't recover it, then that's income and you got to pay taxes on it. And so I guess now the question becomes – what are the taxes that are going to have to be paid back by the Raiders? And this is going to be a story that I will be interested to keep my eyes on because, as people have been saying in the recent past, a lot of the things coming out of Las Vegas kind of ring true to the we're broke uh, tune. And whether or not that is true, I have no clue. However, as you can see, the people that have been saying that there are financial troubles for the Raiders are brewing seem to know more than they're letting on because now as little itsy more little pieces come out you can see that it is seems to be a lot bigger than what people realize and so the raiders are now in the crosshair of the federal government as they're gonna have to figure out how to pay those taxes back so uh off of business though onto the sidelines dak prescott they're talking about him playing in the season opener in tampa hope so the cowboys have zero uh, in terms of backup quarterback play, I mean they're going to have to go. Uh, I go find somebody on the open market because there's no way they're going to be able to go to anybody else and expect any kind of success if Dak Prescott cannot play. Andy Dalton obviously not there anymore. He is under center in Chicago until they can find out a way to get Justin Fields on the field. So Prescott hoping to play in the in in the opener that's what they're selling the fans and we will just have to see if that actually comes to actually be reality you know we'll see
Jets, they confirmed the worst fears about the Lawson injury. Obviously, Lawson was their big addition in the 2021 offseason. Uh, he was coming to play defensive end. He blew out his Achilles in practice uh, the other day. I think it was Wednesday, maybe. And he is now done for the summer or summer for the year, the entire year. Uh, I'm in summer mode here. I'm, I'm looking out the window at more rain and shitty weather and, and thinking, where's my summer going here as I try to milk a, a nice weekend out of nothing? It's not going to happen. So, uh, but not in summer season mode. Lawson not going to be performing for the Jets. He is out with the ruptured Achilles suffered in practice. There was another defensive player, this time linebacker Jacob Phillips. He's the Browns' second-year linebacker. He tore his biceps, played about nine games last year. I think he started three from what I read. Uh, I don't remember seeing him play uh, that much, but anybody that had nine games and three starts, obviously as a second-year player, uh, well, as a rookie last year, would probably have some upside in his second year. Well, he's going to have to wait for 2022 to have his career continue because with torn bicep, can't imagine he's coming back from that. Although I don't know if they stated he's out for the year. Torn bicep would end his year there. Uh, players that are practicing are fighting. They're fighting all over the goddamn place. Raiders and Rams have been fighting at practice. Bucks and Titans have been fighting at practice. There's also uh, Mr. Antonio Brown got his name into the news thanks to this as he was, I don't know, he, he got himself right in the middle of the Bucks titans fight. I think he ripped off somebody's helmet. I, there's pictures all over the internet. I mean, it's Antonio Brown. Who gives a shit anymore? But he's on the back nine here. But he got himself involved in some fight. He's nutso anyway. We, we, we covered that last year on the podcast. I mean, it, all going back probably from that hit from Burfitt. But uh, he continues to just lose his mind here. And I, Arian said he didn't really care. Nobody else does either. So uh, NFL's taunting rule is, I, you know, they're really talking about this as they're I, they're trying to say that we're not getting rid and becoming the no fun league again, right? Because that was for decades they couldn't do anything, and then they just let people come in and do all these celebrations, and they had a celebration cam, and they're like coordinated things. They said all that stuff's fine. We just want to get rid of the in your face stuff. That's basically what they want to do with, and this is going back to the you know the peace out taunting from the Super Bowl, which came from Tyreek Hill saying peace out to people that he was running away from. From. I, I don't really know how they're going to be able to legislate this because how do you interpret whether or not the taunting is an in-your-face thing or just a celebration of a created design? I have no clue how you could tell. Obviously, some things you can tell. A you know peace sign in somebody else's face as you're running away from them is definitely an in-your-face taunt, but... Otherwise, who knows? Um, Eagles, uh, we talked about them earlier uh, because they had that preseason game, but they're in the news also because their 22, uh, well, their 2019 22nd overall pick, Andre Dillard out of the draft, he's coming up in uh, trade talk because he's played sparingly. And the Eagles have not been a huge fan of his performance. So. He has been basically questioned by other NFL teams as to whether or not he could be attainable. And that's possible. Jordan Melita, uh, Melata, 
He's going to end up getting that tackle job uh, over Dillard, which puts him on the sideline, and everybody's always in need of a lineman. Um, I don't know. I, if the Eagles want to, I guess they could trade him, but what are you really going to get for him? You're probably better off just leaving him on the sideline and using him for offensive depth because if there's one thing that every NFL team needs, it's some offensive line depth. And unless you're going to get some kind of really smash – Smash it out of the park offer. I don't know why you'd give up, uh, you know, a 2019 first round pick. I, but then again, I'm not an NFL GM, so what the fuck do I know? So, um, and we'll wrap it up with some of the COVID storylines that are coming through because yet again they're coming right to the top. And this is now you see this COVID thing is just going to be an all year deal, and uh, the first storyline that I'm providing here is the Cardinals Justin Pugh ex-giant go Justin he is uh, playing for the Cardinals now just came off of the COVID-19 list and he tweeted hey at NFL we need daily testing for vaccinated and non-vaccinated players I was vaccinated and still got COVID as of now vaccinated players test every 14 days that's not enough Big explanation point. It wasn't all in caps, though, Justin. You got to put it all in caps. You really want to hammer home your point. He, uh, who knows how long I walked around the building with it and or whoever I got it from. Fix this. ASAP. Now, ASAP is all in capitals, but, I mean, that's how you write ASAP. It's all in capitals. So, um, but he had backup from Cardinals defensive line and Jordan Phillips, who also replied to the tweet, announcing he also tested positive despite being fully vaccinated. So he just went on the COVID-19 list Thursday. So as you can see, the quote-unquote breakthrough case is not breakthrough at all. It's actually pretty uh, regular throughout society. I actually, personal eggy tangible to this is that my sister-in-law was fully vaccinated and ended up getting tested positive uh, yesterday or the day before. So yet another breakthrough case. But what you're going to see is breakthrough cases come up all over the place. And that is going to be an issue because unless you are a fully vaccinated team and who, oh man, they just announced it all over the place. Somebody was fully vaccinated uh, recently. Falcons, maybe? I can't remember. Anyway, unless you're fully vaccinated, anytime that you test positive, right, the unvaccinated player is going to have to sit out the 10 days, which could be two games. And that's what this thing is all about. This is about getting you back on the field and not missing a game. And if you're vaccinated, then you end up having the ability to test negative twice and then get back in there. And that is why everybody is making a point to get their players vaccinated. Uh, And here, what you're seeing is that Justin Pugh, along with other people, are now pushing back on that strategy because they're saying you got to test everybody anyway. So if the breakthrough cases are not very breakthrough at all, and the NFL ups their testing of both vaccinated players and unvaccinated players, then what you're going to see is a lot more players test positive. And if that is the case, then what you're going to see is a lot of people ending up sitting out, and that could be very problematic for the NFL this year. Um, it, now, this rolls over to fans because the Packers canceled their f- Packers everywhere pep rally 
which was going to take place in New Orleans the day before the New Orleans. What the hell did I just say? New Orleans. Uh, that was going to take place the day before the season opener against the Saints. Well, that got canceled because New Orleans right now is a hotbed of COVID, and they got COVID going all over the place down there, uh, along with everywhere else. But so they canceled that whole thing. So now all the fans that you know probably purchased airfare and all that, I, you know, what are you going to do? I guess you're going to go down there. I guess you're still going to go to the game, although uh, New Orleans says that you're going to have to be vaccinated in order to come into the stadium. So you're going to have to show proof. They will offer a refund to people that did not or do not want to get vaccinated. So this is now going slowly rolling over into the fandom where fans were getting ready for a 2021 season that was a return to years past, not 2020, right? And it feels more or less... Every day that we go by, you're seeing more and more of 2020 come through. Um, there was another story out of Sports Business Journal, uh, a journalist by the name of Ben Fisher. He wrote about how NFL stadiums are struggling to fill their game day workers, obviously because uh, <laughs> you know low-end hires are getting a ton of money from the government. So that ends in September, though. So you would think that when they get rid of all these extra benefits that you would get a little bit of uptick in low-end uh, employment low end i should low paying employment but um you know who knows if, if that's actually going to happen until it happens right i mean it still doesn't end the unemployment benefits which you're going to be getting anyway so if people are out on the sidelines and they're getting unemployment for not working uh why would you go and you know work for you know twelve dollars an hour whatever minimum way i know it's not 15 everywhere so work for minimum wage working a game day at a stadium surrounded by nothing but crazy lunatics who punch the shit out of each other in the stands and uh, cough covid all over each other so um so nfl stadiums are now feeling the brunt of the covid challenges as they struggle to fill their stadiums with game day workers and Let's bounce off COVID and end on a later note as our man, the coach of the century, Dan Campbell, right? This happened two days ago. It's just phenomenal because, like I said, this guy is just going to be fantastic in every way, shape, and form until he's fired or he ends up reinventing the wheel and being the meathead that doesn't, you know, burn by his trial by fire. And so he cuts uh, Don... Mulbach, who is the Lions long snapper, and he cut him on his 40th birthday. So they interview Campbell, and Campbell says, there's no way to sugarcoat that. Uh, I'm an asshole. So that's about the best way to put it, and I hate it. There's no way around it, really. You could say there is, but ultimately that falls on me. It's my fault. Don's a hell of a dude. It sucks, but it is what it is. I am with you. I am 100% with you, Campbell. It is what it is. It sucks. Hell of a dude. Just let you go on your 40th birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. Here's an empty box. And when you open it, it's just a fucking note that says you're fired. So uh, Campbell continues to produce nothing but content uh, for NFL comedic angles uh, all over the place. And so that that's about it. Um, we're running uh, – we did a little bit here. We 
chewed off enough that it's probably time to punch out. There's nothing really going on. But we do have a solid slate of games coming up this weekend. So we will start uh, tonight, Friday, the uh, 20th. And we will have two games tonight. We'll have the Chiefs at the Cardinals. And then we'll have the Bengals at the Washington football team. We'll go into Saturday where you'll have a ton of games. 1 o'clock, you got Bills-Bears. 4 o'clock, you got Jets at Packers. 7 o'clock starts the night slate. You're going to see Falcons at Dolphins. Ravens are at the Panthers. Lions at the Steelers. Titans at the Bucks. Texans at the Cowboys, Battle of Texas, Colts at the Vikings, and then you get two night games. That's the Raiders at the Rams, if the Raiders can pay for the airfare to get over to San Francisco or Los Angeles. And then you've got the Broncos at the Seahawks in Seattle. Sunday, you get two games. You get a 1 and a 7.30. So the 1 o'clock game is the Giants at the Browns. Woohoo! I get to watch my Giants get blown out uh, in Cleveland. And then at 7.30, you see the 49ers face off against the Los Angeles Chargers. At least one game left. And Monday night, Monday night football is back. All right. Awesome. Uh, Gives us something to do on a Monday as we pound our beers at the local bar. And that will be watching Trevor Lawrence in game two as they travel to New Orleans to face off against the quarterbackless Saints. I imagine it'll be Jameis. People are saying... Taysom Hill, I who knows, and who cares? Saints are going to be something awful, I think, this year. But that's just my gut reaction right now. So you'll get to see if they can piece anything together Monday night at 8 o'clock as they host Jacksonville. And that's about it. Punching out for this Friday. Hope you guys enjoy the weekend. And I am trying to get Brother Eggy onto the podcast to wrap up our fantasy football as we talk about... Our, our wide receiver rankings. I'm hoping to get that done Sunday, if not Monday, so we can wrap that up before a big two weeks of fantasy football. So uh, enjoy the rest of your weekends or the rest of whatever day it is that you might be listening to this, and I will talk to you later. Howdy.